On this episode, Data finds the dumb brother, Riker tries to get married, Picard finds out he has a clone, but not in a good way, Tom Hardy realizes that this ain't Black Hawk Down, and Worf does nothing. I'm Captain Awesome. And I'm the Triple Hippie. Welcome aboard, take a station, and find something to hold on to. There are no seatbelts on the bridge. Hey everybody, welcome back to No Seatbelts on the Bridge. Uh, we're still going over Star Trek X, Nemesis. <laughs> uh, let's pick up where we left off. Uh, last time we found out that Shinzon was cloney baloney. Uh, B4 acted out his ALF fantasy. <laughs> Deanna gets assaulted. And to top it all off, Picard makes an Irish exit. So let's head on over to the to Shinzon's scimitar and find out what happens next. So yeah, so we've we've uh, beamed Picard over to the bad guy ship, and this is where Shinzon finally goes does the full Scooby Doo exposition dump. Um, he basically tells Picard, "Yeah, I'm going to blow up the Earth. I'm going to take all your blood, and I'm going to live, and you're going to die, and it's going to be really cool." Yeah, Picard's like, no, <laughs> and oh yeah, that before Android, we planted that as a Trojan horse because we are so smart, <laughs> right? And the whole audience goes, "You don't say." <laughs> <laughs> Didn't see that one coming, right? <laughs> and Picard, of course, is like, "Have you considered being good? Because I'm good, <laughs> and you could be good too." <laughs> No, I'm not good. I'm bad. And they end up playing like the weirdest version of I know you are, but what am I? You know? <laughs> so, <laughs> so terrible. What is it? You won't be around to see when the echo is the victor over the voice. <laughs> <laughs> what? It's so stupid. <laughs> the card's like, um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> he's like man do i really come off like that guys I mean, right. tell me do i do i really come i mean i i know it can be a little pompous but do i come off like, like can you can you hold on a sec uh commander wolf <laughs> i have a question <laughs> uh so yeah the enterprise is looking around they've got their little reticule up on the screen and i gotta be honest it kind of reminded me of wing commander like just <laughs> going around space trying to keep a straight line i was like whoa cool. <laughs> but shinzon has the perfect cloak there's no <laughs> anti-protons nothing i mean star trek 6 we found the gas pipe on the or, you know the tailpipe on the thing but this thing's the thing's gotta have a tailpipe not this one boy shinzon's got it down right well, it's because they're, it's the green initiative from the, uh, the Riemann <laughs> empire. They were like, you know, we really ought to recycle those, uh, those gases. So we're going to make sure that there's nothing coming out. See, just the, the whole agenda just causes America a problem again. There you go. <laughs> so data or well, before walks into a room and he's like, Hey guys, um, <laughs> What you doing? And he walks up behind a Riemann and neck pinches him. And you're like, wait a minute. Before neck pinches? And then you realize, no, 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 that's data. Because that wasn't obvious. <laughs> it's data with an extra memory port in the back of his neck. That was right. his disguise. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's just he didn't like, actually you know? have the memory port. He just had a little sticker that said plug here. <laughs> <laughs> so data Ugh. finally drops the last bit uh like yeah not he he don't not only has a weapon but this whole ship is a weapon the whole thing Ooh, i seriously every time they had any kind of exposition i was just left sitting there like uh-huh yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. I, guess, I guess we're going with that then <laughs> right it just oh nothing was compelling at all <laughs> And I'm I, I'm going to be completely honest. I watched this movie back in 2002. The, the next time I watched it was three days ago. I swear to God, there was 20 years between the two times I watched this. And I thought to myself, <laughs> it can't be as bad as I remember. 
And it was. And that's why nothing really mattered. I just didn't care. It was just not good. It, it, the pacing was a, as odd as it seems with as much as it happens in this film, the pacing felt slow. Oh, it Not felt like slow, sluggish. Yeah. It like, felt like there was no urgency. I mean, there's all this stuff that is happening, but it, you don't really feel a sense of urgency among the enterprise crew. They almost all seem like they want to cast their check and get out of there. It, it was like watching a, a high school production where like the <laughs> villain walks out and is like, Hey, I'm the bad guy. And the good guy's like, Oh yes, you are the bad guy. I understand that now. Okay, cool. Thank you. Uh, I'm going to defeat you. Ah, I am defeated. Okay. I'm done. <laughs> I'm really glad my kid was in that show. That was cool. It's definitely no sheriff store. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so here's the other thing I don't get. What they did is they changed the, the information that was in or that before downloaded. Yes. And they managed to change it in him, I guess. Here's, here's what I think. I think what they did is that it was data beamed over. They put a little memory chip in data that had all the false information so that when he beamed over and Shinzon says, download the data from him, they plugged in their USB port and he had all the fake data in him. Okay. I'm, I'm just throwing that out there because the information he didn't transmit it off the ship. He actually collected it and then they beamed him aboard and tried to take it out of him. He's like a walking right. hard drive. I'll take that. That's fine. He, he just like <laughs> stuck a little Whoa. Omega chip on his back. <laughs> Why does this say Western digital? <laughs> so <laughs> data's got his little badge on him. Oh yes. We got the, we have the beam out badge. Yeah. The little, little arm candy. I guess we didn't really talk about that earlier because nobody gives a crap, but <laughs> He had in his arm, he has a little beam out thing that Jordy's been working on. No foreshadowing was there. (laughs) And he tells him, hey, Captain, I can get you out of here really quick and I'll stay here. But it's Captain Picard, so. I am Picard. I will stay here in mortal danger for no reason whatsoever. (laughs) So Data and Picard pick up the... uh, the trick from Star Wars where they, uh, where Chewbacca was putting the handcuffs. They do that to Picard and have Data walk around with a gun behind him and say, hold, you know, say, you know, hurry up, you puny human and things of that nature. Well, okay. So the, the Wookiee Gambit is absolutely the right way to go in any situation. I don't care what's going on. You should always do the Wookiee Gambit. <laughs> that said, the problem with the Wookiee Gambit in this situation is that Data looked all serious walking around behind him with a weapon. When really, if it was B4, he'd have been walking behind him and with and guards came by and like, hi guys, how's like it going? Bumping into things. <laughs> I saw a cat earlier. <laughs> His breath smelled like cat food. Well, even... <laughs> <laughs> I like mittens. <laughs> well, even the oh, I bet my Wookiee. <laughs> <laughs> even the fact that he no longer has the goofy warble in his voice right and nobody picks up on that no <laughs> that's because shinzon's guards are real dumb <laughs> yeah yeah right. they're like i can't believe how smart that b4 is <laughs> i'm gonna for what's about to happen i have to assume because we've talked about what great warriors the remans are I have to guess the guys that we're encountering on the ship are the guys who just stay on the ship. These aren't the warriors. These are the, the guys who stay on the ship because yeah. the warriors are all down in the Romulan Senate. <laughs> <laughs> these are, these guys are the, you know, hi, I'm a hallway maintenance technician. <laughs> you know, my name's Ron. Yeah, I'm Ron Riemann. That's, that's what I do. I, I maintain hallways. Which which is going to come into it because once again, who decorated the ship? So they go into the lab where Picard was being held, and he's not there anymore. So of course, you know, kill the guard who was there because that's the way you incentivize your workers, I guess. Yep. But the room is tiny, and then they walk back out into a hallway, which is humongous. <laughs> okay. So you've played No Man's Sky, 
Yes. So in No Man's Sky, you get to design your your carrier and you've got these hallways that you can put down and rooms and all kinds of stuff, right? As they were walking around in this, all I could think of was the last time I designed one of those ships, I built this labyrinthine thing that I would just get <laughs> lost in constantly. And that's what it felt like is it was just somebody laid down hallways in all kinds of different directions yes. for no reason. And I'm lost because there was a point where there was literally four hallways that went in a circle around a central point. <laughs> and I'm like, what, what, what is, is this ship design? Yes. This makes no sense. Maybe that, that pillar in the middle, you know what it is? That's the void space for the turbo lifts. <laughs> there you go. That's where it begins. That's where they learned about uh, void space technology for go. turbo lifts. All was right. from this advanced Riemann ship. <laughs> oh my god! You you fixed a plot hole. <laughs> <laughs> so Picard and Data are now going to get in a firefight because you know. It's Star Trek. You gotta, you gotta have a shootout, <laughs> and and we're gonna have a firefight in front of a wall that's painted to look like a hallway. Oh my this god! Was okay, bad. this was so really bad. I'm gonna, I'm gonna admit, I didn't notice it until I was reading your notes. So I was watching it, and it, it like slid by me a couple times, and I was reading through your notes, and I was like painting, and I looked back, and as soon as I looked at the screen. They were full on full screen in front of that thing. And I'm like, oh, my God, that is so awful. This is the thing. Honestly, this is the thing that stuck with me most about this film after seeing it the first time is that freaking wall painting. I just remember seeing that and thinking, you guys put nothing into this. You didn't even try financially. You just kind of said, eh. When the when the cartoon taxi came flying around the corner and ran into it, that's when you know these guys aren't trying. <laughs> and describe to you, to you guys what this looks like. This is literally the painting that the Roadrunner would run into, mm-hmm. and Wiley e. Coyote would go splat against the uh, Vanishing Point super long <laughs> hallway painting. <sighs> and the other thing about it is that why would you p- do a painting like that? Because it made it look like that hallway goes on for like a literal mile. Yes. Why couldn't that just been a, a, a bulkhead? Right. Put a door there. It would have been cheaper you get, and, and it would have looked better. Yes. Yes, exactly. There was absolutely no reason for that to be there. That, that had to be a bared decision where he was like, you know, it'd be really cool. If this looked like it was real big. And they're like, well, sir, we've only got this one room that we can build sets in. I don't care. Let's, let's just paint it. Yeah. Have you have maybe, you ever watched doing that a movie cartoon called Roadrunner? Because I have a great <laughs> idea. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I know that was a cartoon, but there was this other one called Who Framed Roger Rabbit. <laughs> that had real people in it. <laughs> oh God, it was so stupid. Anyway, yeah, I, so I, then, I didn't. I that part just really, really bugged me. But again, now we have Picard fighting his way out of the ship with data data throws on the gun. So data can try to pick a lock and Picard starts doing the two guns thing because again, this is movie action Picard rather than TV dialogue Picard. And of course they have to throw in the cutesy back and forth between data and Picard about, you need to do that faster. It's like, well, it's really great. And it's fun. If I'm doing it, no, you do it. You know, uh, it's just, yeah. And, I'm sorry. Data can't figure out how to open the door. <laughs> and and Picard can hold off an entire ship of shock warriors with. Sure. Two guns. Well, I mean, they're stormtroopers. They can't <laughs> shoot anything. <laughs> they can run into bolts. I mean, it almost seems like they went out of their way. It's like, oh, one missed me, you know? <laughs> right. Well, and Data approaches this door. Like he runs at it. Like, I'm going to do this. And he looks like he's, you know, ah, I got to figure out what to do next. But the way that he approaches and the way he kind of looks side to side, Spiner made a decision there that just came off looking like, which way did he go? Which way did he go? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It just, it, the whole, this whole scene was just terrible. Oh, one thing so I, anyway. I will say too, Data eventually does get the door open. 
Mm-hmm. He gets inside. Picard gets inside. And here's the thing that bugs me. If you play first-person shooter video games, you know that if you were to back into a hallway and you could move to the left or right for cover, you would do that. You wouldn't stand in front of the open door and Mm -hmm. keep firing because somebody can still shoot you. If you take two steps to the left or right, you're covered. No, Picard stands until the door closes, firing back at the guys. I think the the Teleron radiation that's on this ship is just making everyone stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Because if you notice, when Data was trying to hack the door, he was going like, one, 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 one. Nope. One, (laughs) one, one, two. Nope. One, 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 three. Nope. Like, come on. (laughs) He didn't even do the the super fast finger thing. He just kind of. And don't um, most of the times they just rip the face off the thing and start short uh, hot wiring it. Yeah, Isn't that that, that one bugs me in every TV show <laughs> ever. <laughs> you, like, think about the last time you walked up to any building that had a badge reader or a keypad on it. If you just rip that thing off, what do you think is going to happen? Uh, a guy with like a billy club is going to come walking <laughs> out and be like, excuse me, uh, what do you think you're doing? Or your friendly neighborhood policeman is just going to suddenly show up behind you. Uh, That's going to get noticed. <laughs> I, I never actually use use the uh, the uh, the keypad at ATM. I just rip that sucker off and just you know code it in right. directly. Well, That's, if you just you know. pull that off and you touch two wires together, boom, boom. hundreds and thousands of dollars. <laughs> now, because we're responsible and law abiding citizens, we're not going to tell you on this podcast which wires you turned you put together. Right. But or my absolute favorite one is the modification to that one where you pull the keypad off, touch two wires together, and then put the keypad back. (laughs) (laughs) Like it's just on with a magnet or something. (laughs) Well, yeah, just kind of like most heating and uh, heating gratings in large buildings. They're they're just kind of like slapped on there. You can just pop those out anytime you want to. Pop those right off. Plus, you know, everyone knows that the average uh, HVAC system has vents that are exactly human size. <laughs> and then they can support human weight too. Yeah. yeah. And you know, a monkey can live in that. <laughs> well, that part's true. <laughs> we love you. Annie's boobs. <laughs> All right. So they get inside and Picard has to weld the door shut with his phaser which I find interesting because the guys on the other side can't seem to shoot through the door. <laughs> yeah, I was I was kind of puzzled by this too. And they will continue to stand there even though it doesn't do any good. Right. They will continue to stand there and keep on firing at the door rather than try to open it. Now, it doesn't seem anybody tried, but they will continue fire at the door for all the time it takes Data and Picard to find a ship, little fighter ship. Mm-hmm get in the little fighter ship, make a little joke about who's going to drive and yeah. then shoot and blow up the door. Now, this is another thing that I, that this movie, but lots of science fiction really bugs me. What is it that if I shoot a beam at a human being, it hits them and kills them. And they fall over. If I shoot that same gun at a door, for some reason, the door explodes. I mean, that's just physics. <laughs> <laughs> Walls don't explode, but doors, doors explode you when you fire energy weapons at them. It's you know, amazing. I think it's a safety measure. That must be it. It's a safety <laughs> thing. All doors are covered in explosive bolts. <laughs> so Picard and Data jump into this little fighter ship and decide to, they can't get out through the, through the actual uh, space doors. So they're going to blow the doors open go through the corridors of the ship and take okay, off that I'm, way. I'm sorry. You started a joke there and you didn't finish it. And it really bugs me. Picard literally asked data to open the pod bay. Doors. <laughs> <laughs> Data's like, I'm sorry, Sean Luke. I'm afraid I can't do that. <laughs> Actually, it's funny you mentioned that because 2001 will come back <laughs> later on in the podcast. <laughs> There's another parallel that happens later. So yeah, they fly through the this ship in this little fighter, a ship that they have no idea the layout of, but luckily has huge hallways as we later as we earlier described. Mm. And for me, this is 
I really thought this was going to end up in a video game when I was watching it. It was like, oh, yeah. this is this is going to end up in the Star Trek Nemesis video game. Seriously, like I said before, the the uh, the Dune buggy that was all about merchandising. Yeah, this was all about video game. Yeah, because you just watch this stuff and you're like, this this was an executive doing this. This was not a writer. This this was an executive who was like, you know, it'd be cool. You should do this. And it was so stupid. This is one of the dumbest things ever done on any of the shows, any of the movies, anywhere. At like the makeup in the Gorn episode, <laughs> not as dumb. It was another one of those cases of why did why did you make this decision? This is right. <laughs> You, oh. there were other ways to have exciting escapes, but you decided, no, we're going to fly through the ship with okay CGI, um, and then fly. And, but we, he knew how to get back to the uh, the room with all the stairs in it. Fortunately, because oh, yeah. then he could fly through the window and get out of there. Yeah, the window <laughs> to space. <laughs> Gosh, it's I can't believe we forgot to put the force field up. <laughs> oh no. What are we gonna do? You know, I told you that stair that stairway room was a bad idea. I told you. Right. <laughs> but no, <sighs> you had to have it. You had to put the scorpion ship ramp on there. <laughs> oh. I can't help it. I look impressive walking downstairs. <laughs> so then the Enterprise grabs the thing and gets the heck out of there. Cool. And we think, oh, thank God, that's the end of the movie. We can go home. Right? <laughs> I mean, that would have been the end of an episode. Because then it would have been a voiceover of Picard going, and then we notified the authorities and they <laughs> caught Shinzon and put him in prison. Roll credits. No, 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 no. We've still got almost an hour left. Yeah. I will tell you, this is the moment when I looked down at the bar at the bottom of the video because I was like, Thank God it's over. No, it's all only a little past half. <laughs> I am going to give this captain commander Riker as a commander. I have a little more faith in only because what do they do? Beam it aboard and let's get the hell out of here. Not let's see what happens. Let's run some scans. What is happening right. on the planet? It's just like, okay, you got the ship. Okay. We're out. Right. no, no. <laughs> Picard would have been like, all right, now message them and tell them nanny, nanny, boo, boo, and then get <laughs> nose to nose with their ship. <laughs> but sir, we're outgunned. I know. <laughs> no, let's just leave. <laughs> so it's Shinzon now is starting to lose support among the Romulans because he's he's been screwing around. And he promised them that he was going to defeat Earth. And he really hasn't done anything. It's all, you know, I can't defeat Earth right now because my ship is being audited and we'll use it later. And, you know, just all sorts of things. <laughs> but but then we start to find out that, oh, no, Shinzon is actually going to, like, kill everybody on the planet. And the Romulans start to figure out, you know what? Maybe that's not the best idea, you know, because, because I mean, okay. The thing is, you know, I hate earth, you know, I'm a Romulan. I hate earth, but it's more like I hate the Niners or I hate the Celtics. I mean, I don't want them to do mm -hmm. well, but I'm not going to kill all of them. That's just right. crazy. Talk, you know, like, listen, I, I, I've been an earth supporter before. But that was before they had a really bad season. <laughs> so now, you know, I'm I, I I bleed green. You know what I'm saying? But that doesn't really mean I want genocide. <laughs> genocide is real slippery slope. Ooh, yeah, right? we kind of frown on that sort of thing here. Exactly. <laughs> well, and you know, this just pisses off Shinzon to no no end. So all the weird green veins that have started creeping around his head, start pulsing. <laughs> He's getting more makeup on. <laughs> and the guy's like, well, what's happening to your face? And all I could think is like, Hey, if there's any society 
in Star or in the the Star Wars, excuse me, Star Trek universe that has a strong HR department. <laughs> it's the Romulans. That's what you the Tel Shiar like, is, isn't it? Isn't it? Right? They're like, <laughs> listen, you can't say that. <laughs> You're not allowed to talk about that thing on your face. First of all, we're all going to remember we don't talk about the things on people's faces. <laughs> Secondly, we don't talk about Bruno. (laughs) Well, he's a Riemann. Ooh, we don't like to use the R word here. That's (laughs) no, no. He's from Remus. Oh yeah, I know. But (laughs) I don't know. Can you, can we say that? I mean, I know you guys can say that, but can we say that? Ooh, yeah. Wait, isn't this guy human? Whoa, 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 (laughs) whoa, whoa. I feel real weird about bringing that up. I'm just saying I feel real weird about bringing that up. We cannot assume those kinds of things, okay? (laughs) So apparently, Shinzon is not a total clone. He's not the perfect clone. He's he's more one of those... One of those wish clones, you know, not, not quite what you want here, but, uh, so he was supposed to, he was supposed to be set up because he was going to replace John Luke. So at some point they're going to flip a switch and make him grow a bunch older. And man, can you imagine finding that out about your job description? (laughs) And then we're going to age you about 30 years. You know how you're 20 right now? (laughs) Well, uh, if your review goes through, <laughs> you're going to be 60. <laughs> Wait, what? That bonus sucks. Man, that kind of sounds like when we worked at AT&T, doesn't it? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Death Star. <laughs> we're never getting that. I guess we're not getting that advertising dollar. <laughs> right. <laughs> so we, we find out, yeah, you know, Shinzon wants Picard's blood, and so we're going to go after him. We're going to take off after him. Yeah. Um, it does kind of feel like a vampire movie. We got all the vampires all walking around looking for blood. Yeah. I, I really am thinking that Stuart Baird or, uh, or, uh, uh, the writer, um, James Long, I, one of the two of them had a vampire movie like in the pipeline that didn't pan mm-hmm. out and they weren't letting it go. Yeah, exactly. It's just crazy. I don't know. So then we switch over to B4. <laughs> and data is just like, Hey, you got this little switch on your neck. I'm going to push that. And you're going to go to sleep now, or I'm going to turn you on and turn you off and all this stuff. Hang on a sec. How many power buttons does data have? <laughs> He's got a big flippy switch on his back. He's got a remote control that I'm assuming Worf still has in his pocket. <laughs> I would. Right. He's got a switch in the back of his head. He's got one underneath an ear flap. He's got one on his neck, apparently. Like, what the heck? How many ways are there to turn this guy off? And whenever it's needed, nobody can ever figure out how to use them. Uh, Mr. Baird, actually, Mr. Baird, there's only one shutoff switch. It's back on his, it's probably where his kidneys are supposed to be. Ah, piss it. Put something on his neck. (laughs) Yeah, he, uh. The, the, that whole situation is just bizarre and I don't understand why they can't keep the switches straight. In all fairness, it's not Baird's fault entirely because most of those other switches were introduced by other directors. True. true. <laughs> right. I mean, the garage clicker that was introduced by Frakes. <laughs> <laughs> so this, this movie has, or this scene has a, again, a very 2001 vibe on it. Uh, when Dave shuts down, uh, Hal, because there's a whole thing with data and uh, and before and before pitifully now for a, for an android who was built before data you would have thought his uh, emotional output would have been a little bit less but man before goes full pitiful on this one no i disagree um data was actually the last one built true and he did not have the emotion chip because all the other emotional robots were failed experiments. Okay. So you believe that soon built be- emotions into before like you did. Lord? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. All right. That tracks. That tracks. But he is just pitiful in this. It, it's, yes, it's, I felt bad for him. The, this whole scene is just like, you know, why are you doing this to me? You know, and they yeah. have to be the, the bad guy on this one. Um, 
I did like the, I did like him adding just a few things of he throws in a few questions about, you know, do you know what Jinzon's up to? Do you know the tactical? Hey, well, that actually made sense. You guys did something in the movie that made sense that that would right. have been the proper reaction. So, hey, so far, we've got the first thing that makes sense in this movie. Well, and I liked B4 going, will it hurt? And he just like, <laughs> click. I'm not talking about this, dude. What are you doing, Dave? <laughs> right. <sighs> a long time, brother. Now, <laughs> when he said a long time, brother, I was like, that's, that's lorish. That's a very lore line. I don't know. I, I, is, is data tapping into something there? I don't know. Uh, it was weird. Yeah, well, there's a lot of question about what really, and I guess we're going to find out here next week, uh, begin to, but they just left Lore on that. They shut him off and then just left him on that planet. Do you think Lore's coming back? In Picard? Yeah. Yeah. They. they I mean, he's been in the previews. Oh, man. I haven't been paying attention. <sighs> but he looks old, so we don't know why. He's got, like, white hair. And he's it's gained some weight. Because they're all old. <laughs> Dude, again, I'm so excited. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> so Shinzon's on his way to Earth, or he wants to get Earth. He's not really there or going anywhere. He's just like, I'm going to do it. But he, he needs Picard's blood. For a guy who's fascinated with the human women, he seems to want to wipe out Earth really bad. Right? <laughs> Well, I mean, he's he's now realized that he doesn't really have a thing for human women. He's got a thing for Beta Z women. Ah, uh, there we go. So he's like, I'm going to go blow up Earth, and then I'm heading to Beta Z. <laughs> Beta Z? Beta Z? Beta Z. Beta Z. Um, yeah. So <laughs> they're like, hey, you know, nothing else matters. We got we to gotta get this done, okay? And Riker and Troy totally have this look on their face of like, well, yeah, we know we were supposed to get married yesterday. So, so yeah, we're kind of invested, right? I don't know. And then Captain Picard, after he makes his rousing speech about what we need to do, cries red alert. And we go into the <laughs> red alert montage. Really needed a rock jock tune here. <laughs> red alert for peace. Gonna fight that Reman beast. Okay. Gonna kill Jensen first before he blows up Earth. It's red alert for peace. <laughs> I find it interesting that a ship that is quote unquote, a ship of exploration just has wall panels that now flip around and have rifles stacked. in them. <laughs> oh yeah. They're everywhere. Man, you know, that was the hardest part about when they had to film scenes with uh, the little kids in the nursery. <laughs> they can't keep them from touching the walls. Cause man, those things will flip around. They're covered in rifles. Once again, showing that American culture did live through, through to Starfleet right. culture, you know, second amendment is live and well in Starfleet, baby. All right. I will tell you when I was a kid, I had a really cheap standard bookcase in my bedroom. And I had an entire shelf that I had cleared off and I took all of my dart and squirt guns and I hung, <laughs> I hung them on hooks on the back of, of the shelving unit. And then I put a piece of wood in front of it and put books on there. Cause so I was like, that's, that's my secret gun stash. I saw it in a, in a James Bond movie and it made me so happy that I was like, I'm going to do this. I always knew where they're at. And I can look uh, right. at them anytime I want. <laughs> the funny thing is I, I put other books and toys in front of them, so I could never actually get to them. <laughs> anyway, good times. So yeah, we're doing the whole uh, Picard tours the ship as, as he often does before we have things blow up. Um, and then he, uh, he walks around and then he goes into, I don't know, what is this, astrometrics or, or stellar cartography? Another room. I think I think it's astrometrics. Because if you think about it, they're the uh, when they did Voyager, that seemed to be something that was a device that everybody was like, that's cool. Yeah. When, and- they, when they created their astrometrics lab, I mean, the, the movies got them. I mean, look at uh, the, what was it, two movies ago, they had the Professor X room. Um, so that they could do the big sweeping. Oh yeah. Now, that was stellar stuff. cartography. So I was, that's why I was wondering, yeah. is this a new stellar cartography? But it looks but more like the same thing. 
It's well, the same yeah. thing. It's always been the same thing. Well, yeah. But um, it, has different, it has a different name. <laughs> yeah. They they had one on uh, uh, the Enterprise in, uh, in Enterprise. Um, only that one was very small. It was a little table and they all huddled around it in on, on the back of the bridge. Oh yeah. Which um, also that the defiant had a pool table in the back of the bridge like that as well. Sure did. Yeah. Yeah. I'm telling you, once they got astrometrics in their blood, they were like, this is cool. <laughs> <laughs> so the enterprise decides we're going to make a run for the border. And there's going to be some ships waiting for us and we'll all go take down Shinzon altogether. Now, some nerd stuff here. When we look at the ships, we notice that we have the, uh, the intrepid, the valiant, the galaxy, the Ares, the Nova, the hood, and the archer. So three of these are actually class ships, meaning first mm-hmm. ships of their particular class. The intrepid, uh, Voyager was an intrepid, uh, the galaxy, the enterprise D was a galaxy class ship and the Nova, um, the Equinox was a Nova ship. Um, the hood is Riker's old ship, or if this is the same hood or if that one got blown up and they replaced it. And of course the Archer, which is named for captain later Admiral Jonathan Archer. Um, we don't see the Bozeman kind which of kind of weird. Yeah. All right. I gotta, I gotta go back. My car guy just kicked in a little bit. The Equinox was a Nova class. Those are both very popular Chevy brands. I wonder, uh, you're right. I wonder if there's any, like somewhere in there, there's a connection somewhere. <laughs> I used to own a Nova a long time ago. So I thought mm-hmm. it was, I thought it was funny when I saw a Nova class uh, spaceship. Cause I thought it should have looked a little bit. My wife's last car was an Equinox. <laughs> 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 that is funny. Anyway. So yeah, we have the uh, reflective moment before the battle where, uh, uh, Picard is doubting himself. It's like, you know, is, is the bad guy, the bad guy is me. Am I the bad guy? And data has to tell him it's like data now yep. becomes the voice of humanity and basically says, you know, Hey, listen, my brother's a jerk. Doesn't mean I'm a jerk, you know? Um, and then, you remember lore, right? You guys remember lore. <laughs> Anybody remember lore? Remember the guy that you put together and then you tried to kill all of us. Remember, uh, remember uh, that? Uh, <laughs> uh, we probably should have talked about that before we put B4 together. Huh? Yeah. Speaking about things we should have talked about before <laughs> uh, the Typhon rift, <laughs> it, the enterprise flies into a Typhon rift, which starts, um, messing with his long-term communications and nobody thought about this particular thing until they actually get there. Yeah. I, I really like the, uh, well, long-term communications could be impacted. <gasps> long-term communications. <laughs> and data's, and data's the, the one who's on like, data's face. Oh, right? like, you know, it's bad when your computer guy is like, uh, I might've forgot something. <laughs> Oh, is that, was that this Typhon Rift? Is that this? Oh, oh man. I'm sorry. Uh, guys, I should probably tell you now I'm actually B4. Uh, sorry. <laughs> uh, we were playing a joke, went way too far. <laughs> I'm going to step out of the room for a minute and Data's going to walk in. Don't worry. But don't blame him for this because it wasn't his fault. <laughs> so the Enterprise is still about 40 minutes away from the border. And the scimitar opens fire on them. Now the scimitar is again, calling back to star Trek six. The scimitar Mm -hmm. is a ship that can fire weapons while it is cloaked, which is an unusual thing. Most ships cannot do that. So that makes makes it very, very difficult to hit them back. Um, I will say that for such a big ship, man, scimitar is kind of a nimble minx. I mean, that thing just completely, it, it handles really, really well. I, I wish I had one in Star Trek online because I would be much better at the game. <laughs> fair, fair. <laughs> so I'm guessing possibly it would be, it would be thinkable that somehow this might be some of the old Klingon tech, because again, it's not something that happened every day. So Enterprise can't really see their enemies, so they just start firing wildly and and throwing torpedoes out in the space. And now, how how, so, how how far do you think like a torpedo goes before it? Like, is there a limit on those, or those things just keep on careening through space forever? Well, 
I, I figure it's like when people shoot into the air during like New Year's. Yes. It's going to come down somewhere. It, you would think right? so. Yeah. And every once in a while you hear a story about somebody getting hit with a random bullet like that. Yes. I think the same thing happens with these things. Like they just fly through space and you know, they're armed. So they just keep on going forever. And eventually they find a pre-warp civilization and they slam into the <laughs> middle of town and they destroy an entire civilization and, and the people from the next town over worship it as a God. And they believe that God has, has destroyed them because they were evil and they start a war with the next village over and, they believe that God has declared that they should attack because they saw the sign of this other village. And eventually one overtakes the other and they move into the village where the photon torpedo came down and the latent radiation mutates them all and turns them into a hostile civilization who studies the warp drive that was inside of the photon torpedo. And they eventually fly into space and they attack the Federation because they recognize the language that was written on that ancient torpedo. Boom. They've destroyed humanity. So I guess I'm, I'm guessing <laughs> I'm guessing that the really like the hind end of space is that you're on the ship that has to track down all those torpedoes and extinguish uh, them before like, they hit before they hit a planet. This sounds like a job for a California class. Yes. Wow, I wanted to see the universe, and this is how I ended up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I love, I love the uh, the uh, device that the director used. That when we fire weapons, we're going to do a close up of the weapon fire button and see Worf's fingers hit it. Oh. <laughs> Okay, they did a whole bunch of those yes. where they watched people push buttons, and it was like, hey, we finally got active screens for people to touch, <laughs> so we're going to show those. I have no idea why, but I was very confused by that. <laughs> that director was like, yeah, when he says fire, w- we know what's going to happen. We <laughs> Right? I But I also like that Previously, we've seen people hit the fire button and it's a big red button that says fire. This time it's a little white button with a number. on it. <laughs> I was like, huh, what was the choice there? <laughs> and so Riker starts throwing out commands, you know, <laughs> you got, you got to love when you name all of your attack patterns after yourself, you know? Riker. Well, Alpha, no, it, Riker it wasn't Man. Riker who named it after him. It was, it was uh Shinzon. It was like, oh, execute Shinzon one alpha. Or something. <laughs> and you're like, wait a minute. Now there is Riker alpha and Riker beta. He made uh, uh, evasive maneuvers called those. There is the Picard maneuver. Uh, and then there is Kirk Epsilon, which Riker is about to call for in a minute. Okay. Okay. Kirk Epsilon. They, they, now is that the one where we make up a fake card game or, or is that the one where you hit on his girlfriend? Uh, it's the one where you tear off your shirt and you try to kill your friend because you were hitting on. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I always, I always get Kirk Delta and Kirk Epsilon mixed up. Those are those. Right. Uh, maybe it's the, uh, it's the one where you decide, screw this. I'm going home and I'm going to ride a horse. Wait, 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 wait. It's, it's the one where you, you crap all over local customs. <laughs> Execute Kirk beta. What, why am I holding to my stomach? I, I don't understand. <laughs> How does that help anything? At, sir, at which point am I supposed to fall down backwards on a mat? <laughs> <laughs> so... Shinzon then decides to give. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Execute Kirk Epsilon. All right. Fun. Hey, Commander Troy, your place or mine? <laughs> no, no, no. That's the wrong one. <laughs> that's that's Kirk offensive maneuver, not defensive oh, maneuver. <laughs> you said Epsilon. I was. I'm sorry, sir. It's in the manual. Clear. <laughs> So then Shinzon decides, you know what? Let's all be friends. Let's do a holographic zoom call with Picard and <laughs> does a zoom call with Picard in his ready room. I would have thought 
would have been nice if while Shinzon was doing the holographic zoom call if like there just would have been a holographic cat that jumped up and knocked some things off a table and went out <laughs> just I, know, I would have liked it realism if he just stood there kind of nervously for a minute and was like <laughs> Jean-Luc you're on mute <laughs> <laughs> So Jean-Luc tries once again to uh, do the be the better man speech. You know, you don't have to do this, you know, and Shinzon, uh, you know, sorry, my my childhood was screwed up. So, you know, it's just this is the way I am, man. You're not my real dad. Um, and I'm just going to blow up the earth. There's nothing you can do about it. That's what we're going to do. Yeah. I'm just a bad guy. Sorry. <laughs> it was the way I was written. <laughs> I'm not bad. I'm just, well, I'm bad. <laughs> now that I think about it. <laughs> Wait, everybody on earth? Yeah, yeah, that's kind of bad. So then we think things get worse we couples, because a couple of uh, Romulan ships show up. Now, these are a different class than we're used to. We're used to seeing the Derricks. Or how are uh, you? Yeah. And these, uh, these are the, uh, we have no Senate oversight class, <laughs> which is also known as the Mogai class. Now th- this is actually, so this class of ship is actually an unnamed class. It's been reused in books and video games and it's gone under the name Mogai class, Valdor class and Valeri class, I believe. Um, this is the first time it was on screen. And it's supposed to be like a next gen uh, ship that is just ridiculously cool. Um, one of the great things about this ship is when they show the uh, uh, the bridge. That is, <laughs> that's the bridge of the Enterprise E. <laughs> <laughs> when she goes um, flying past the uh, one triangular <laughs> panel, right? like, oh, that looks familiar. <laughs> yeah. So they did do a massive redress of the, like all the stuff in the back, but those, those front uh, helms, it's like, yeah, <sighs> yeah, we can tell guys. Also, uh, I saw some still shots of this bridge and it's kind of funny. There are brown and gray seats in the back, like leather seats that I'm like, I think those were in the last movie on the bridge of the enterprise. <laughs> Not a hundred percent sure, but I'm pretty sure I've seen it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so they they actually filmed all of the the scenes on the Mogai Bridge after the movie had ended because they reused the Enterprise E Bridge. So the we so the Romulan captain tells Picard, "Hey, you know what? We're on your side on this. We we think that Shinzon's a jerk too. So, despite the fact that we helped him murder the entire Senate, we're having second thoughts now." Right. You know what? He just said he's actually a bad guy. We're not okay with that. <laughs> yeah, we didn't know him that well when we first met him, and you know. <laughs> Listen, man, that kind of speech ain't gonna play so well in the sticks. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so they take off, and we have a great exterior shot of the ships all flying around each other, and um, Picard tells Worf coordinate with the Romulans because I want to start ordering them around as well. (laughs) Right. Because every species, if given the chance, will surrender control completely to Picard in a battle. (laughs) Do you hear that guy's voice? I'm I'm doing whatever he says. Right. (laughs) Listen, my, my captain sounds like he's been sucking on helium. (laughs) This guy though, he sounds like he could really command a battlefield. I mean, you know he's British, right? <laughs> I mean, he says he's French, but he's, he, it's obvious he's British. <laughs> you can hear it. Like, totally. <laughs> now, here, here's the thing. This is, here's one of the uh, uh, things that I mentioned about uh, Rick Berman. I really wanted this in the last movie, and you guys didn't give it to me. Rick Berman mm-hmm. really wanted Romulans, and he really yeah. wanted a big space battle. Well, and he's going to get it. Here's where we get it. And actually... When I watch this, I think, you know what? If you had sped this up just maybe 30% more, would have been really, really much, much better. It still feels, despite the fact that this is a big space battle, it still feels slow. You know, you ever notice that about Star Trek in general, though? Space battles up until Deep Space Nine 
they were almost always really slow and sluggish. You were filling up time. You're spending a lot of money on those effects, so you're gonna you're gonna eat up some time right? showing them. I think it's a little bit of that, and it's also a little bit of like if you think about what a space battle would be, it actually would be kind of slow. Um, I mean, I don't know. There's a there's a book series I was reading where they were talking about space battles and their space battles instead of being like these. You know, you got fighters that are up close and starships that are a little bit further back and everybody's whizzing around each other and all this stuff. These were like massive gunships and they would be like a light year away from each other and launching projectiles through space. But on these uh, arcs that, you know, they calculated. Oh, yes. Yeah. Hit. Right. And they'd be like nuclear tipped projectiles. And so they would wait and wait and wait, and it would be like a day before the thing would get there, and they'd just wait to make sure it hit. And it was like, you know, that actually makes a whole lot of sense. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, if you think about the fact that you're in a tin can that a single bullet might actually kill everybody, that's a good idea to be that far away. <laughs> yeah, we got shields. In Star Trek, you got shields, so you pull this stuff off. I think one of the, for me, the thing is, if my impulse engines can bring me up just to the brink of light speed, you know what? Mm-hmm. I'm probably going to be going pretty fast to try to get the advantage on the guy around me. I agree to a certain extent, but you're also talking about ships that, uh, even with their shields up, they take one hit and it knocks out, say, an EPS conduit and <laughs> everything's dead. (laughs) And then all the sparklers go off. Right. (laughs) All right. The shields are down. All right. Let's launch. I don't know. A garbage can at them. It'll work. (laughs) Anyway, totally side note. Um, so so, we, we get into the big space battle, which is, is admittedly really good. It's, it's a lot of fun to watch. Uh, there's lots of changes in Z axis, which is something we don't see in a lot of star Trek. True. Uh, they're, uh, we see rotation that we don't normally see. And I mean, there's, they're starships, so they're big and a little bit unwieldy, but still they, they move around pretty well and they move in different directions. And, you know, at one point, one of the Romulan ships gets its wing chopped off, which seemed like that would be bad. <laughs> <laughs> and it goes flying into the enterprise, which actually that was a pretty cool effect. Yeah. I, I liked how it, it just kind of was like, you know, bump, 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 crash, crunch, crunch, <laughs> bump, bump. I do think that, that Star Trek needs to make up its mind, though. Do shields work or not? Because sometimes there's a force field around ships that repels things. Sometimes it only works on energy. Sometimes it doesn't do anything at all. Like, make up your mind already. Yeah, yeah. There's 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 some gray gray areas about what shields actually do and don't do. Yeah, right. Anyway. Um so let's see. The thing bounces off the Enterprise, then the uh the Scimitar is like, "Oh no, we can't move." <laughs> <laughs> they use the old trick of uh of uh, uh making sure to slow down a little bit, make it look like we're uh, we're limping, and then when the sh- other ship gets really close to us, you just hammer the heck out of it. And they basically yeah. take the Valdor out. So both the Romulan ships at this point have taken extensive damage and are out of the fight, which leaves it right back to the Enterprise and the Scimitar. Well, thankfully, the Scimitar is able to get its cloak back up so the Enterprise can't find them. If only there was a way to find them that would also provide some equitable revenge. Well, enter <laughs> Deanna Troy. So here, okay. So I'm... I think the concept was actually not a bad concept. I don't think it was executed that well. Yeah. Um, okay. I So here's the thing. If we talk about what this is, Deanna uses her psychic link with Ron Perlman to find the ship, locate it, and help everybody to do the thing. The problem I have with this is it was filmed very much like a season one episode of TNG. The It's all about Deanna Troy and her squinty sweaty face (laughs) and then we flash over to the other guy and his squinty sweaty face and like okay we get it they're they're connecting with each other (gasps) yeah (gasps) 
it just like I get what they're trying to get across, and I understand what they're trying to do, but it doesn't play well on screen. Never has. Now I would have done this. This is just me. I would have done this quicker. I would have had Deanna trying to do this in the seat by herself. And when she locks on, she just gets up, walks over to the helm, tells the guy to get out and just hits the fire button. Right. But that's me. Like I, it would have been vicious. Yes. I would, I would have liked to seen, seen it a little bit. She puts her hands on the Ouija board and starts (laughs) directing the reticule. (laughs) And Jordy's like, what are you doing? It doesn't say yes. It says no. (laughs) And she's like, the ship's right there. (laughs) So they fire on it. Deanna finds the tailpipe. The Enterprise gets its its shot off. And uh, And it kind of seems like after this, you might want to have a beta Z at every single uh, ops console. Just right. Seriously. If you're going up against cloaked ships, maybe it might be a good idea. Just saying. (laughs) (laughs) Well, now the Remans have had enough. They're pissed off. And so they're like, screw this. And they beam on board the Enterprise. Board the ship. At which point, it's real simple. They could have won this in 30 seconds. <laughs> Computer, raise lights to 100%. <laughs> yeah. For the record, when I just said that, the dimmed lights in my room just turned off. <laughs> God bless technology. Uh, God, I'm a dork. <laughs> so, but seriously, those guys would have been like, ah, ah, oh my god, oh no, and then you shoot them, and you're good. Everybody wins. Anyway, <laughs> so Riker and Worf go down there with a bunch of guys, and they start fighting them. And Worf doesn't break his arm, <laughs> <laughs> and and Riker recognizes the Viceroy, and he obviously wants to get revenge. But the Viceroy then does something interesting. He just opens up a panel and jumps down the garbage chute. Right? (laughs) And, of course, Riker's like, I got this. He went after my girl. I'm in. And he's like, Worf, you got this right? And Worf's like, yeah, of course. And (laughs) Michael Dorn takes this choice that I don't understand. (laughs) He, He holds up his gun. And then full on body slams, flops <laughs> on his belly, on the ground flat. And I'm like, ow! <laughs> like, you know, Worf just hit his solar plexus and he is out of breath. And those guys are like, plink, dead, dead Klingon. Well, you know, you you can't shoot Romulans when you're standing up, you know? That's, right? That's a laying down thing. <laughs> as soon as he hit the ground, I'm like, oh, I can't breathe. Just watching that. Okay, so this hey, is one of those things of this is just personal choice, but this is just me. Had I directed this movie, Worf would have gone after the Viceroy because you would have had the opportunity to have Worf, Reem and Fright, Michael Dorn, Ron Perlman fight. That would have been epic. That would have been really cool. You could have made a really, really cool fight scene. Nothing against Will Riker, but if you have a huge guy that needs to be taken out, who are you asking? Are you asking Will Riker, the guy who has a bad back? Or are you asking Worf? Yeah. I'm just thinking they missed an opportunity there. But I'm a big fan of good fight scenes. I think they could have made a good fight scene out of this. Oh, totally. He could have done a it's, cool line of like, consider it a wedding gift, you know, and, and ran off right? after the guy or something like that. But instead, we get to ask ourselves, do you remember that time that Hellboy fought the guy from <laughs> That's Impossible? <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> so we're, uh, we're still having a big space fight and boy, the Simahar just knocks the crud out of the uh, bridge of the enterprise, which causes the thing to open up the side of it. So people get sicked out of it. Yeah. Specifically Lieutenant Branson, the helmsman who, if you'll recall, was the guy who was like, or uh, Picard was like, let's go to Romulus. And he was like, oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> and he gets blown into space. And now we know. Right? He does what he's told. He gets blown into space. Uh, he was played by a stuntman by the name of Michael Owen. Uh, you should look him up. He has been in a ton of stuff. 
Um, he was actually the driving double on the the show, The Punisher. Ooh, uh, and, and not not for or and for a very good reason too, because he actually looks pretty similar to the uh, main character. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He um, definitely pull out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, he got to he got to actually be in the movie uh, with a speaking part as an actual helmsman, and then take his his leave. This is classic Star Trek. Stuntmen get to be speaking <laughs> players on Star Trek. It's great. I mean, he redshirted it after all was said and done, but that's that's what they do. But again, they get hit. Every people start getting sucked out, and why? There are no seat belts on the bridge. Absolutely, hundred percent true. <laughs> if there had just been seat belts, Lieutenant Branson would still be with us. But, <laughs> And the thing is, why would he, why would he seat belts? That's never going to happen. And even right. if it does, a force field will go ahead and protect us. It'll pop up there oh. and take care of, except for the fact that it takes five seconds for it to happen. Five. It looked like it took like 40. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone hold on to something. <laughs> and I love that during this scene, Data's holding onto the back of the captain's chair <laughs> and he's, he's got that look about him. Like, ah, I got to hold on. This is really tough. And Picard is sitting calmly in the chair the whole time. Like, <laughs> don't worry. The force field will come on soon. And he's, he's not holding on to anything. He's just sitting there. <laughs> Deanna's flailing around. <laughs> right. The <laughs> There's somebody literally holding onto a console with their legs <laughs> flying in the air. And he's like, oh no, my tea seems to have spilled. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I totally forgot about that earlier when they had uh, uh, Shinzon. He sat down and had the replicator give him tea and he goes, tea, hot. <laughs> and I'm like, what? They... okay, if you're going to put that in there, make him say Earl Grey for Christ's sake. <laughs> I like the fact that both his replicator replicator, and John Luke, because John Luke earlier asked for tea, Earl Grey hot, both are replicators. Or like they have a short in them. Right. <laughs> it's like, you ought to have somebody look at that. I don't think that's supposed to do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's sort of like in Star Wars. Every holographic imager flickers. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody thought to maybe fix that. <laughs> well, Star Wars also remember, we can make we can make hyperdrive, but servos that don't make a ton of sound. No, that's not happening. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Well, you, you, the last thing you want is a droid sneaking up on you. <laughs> <laughs> good point. No, no, no. We were just talking about lore. Very good right? point. <laughs> Let's leave that sound in there. Imagine, Data wouldn't be that dangerous if he had noisy servos. <laughs> if he was constantly going, as if he wasn't annoying enough. Right? So the scimitar creeps up to that open door or that open window on the, the bridge. And he just sits there and stares at him. And Picard looks over and notices that Deanna has taken the, the spot at home. And so he gets inspired by that fact. It says, he thinks to himself, what would Deanna do? <laughs> Why don't we just run into him. So Picard says, Hey everybody, uh just want to let you know you might want to hold on to something. No reason. <laughs> just in case. It's certainly not because a bunch of you are about to die. <laughs> well, and he says brace for impact, and they they pan around the bridge as everyone braces for impact. <laughs> and the way that they brace for impact is you're gonna break your elbow. <laughs> yeah. And all I can think is you know Baird was like, no, 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 do it like this. <laughs> Because all these people were like, look, I know how we've been doing this for like nine years. I think we got this. Actually, no, way more than nine years now. Gosh, now you're talking like 13, 14 years. 2002, um, yeah, yeah. 15 years. Yeah, that's, that's 15 on the dot because it was 1987. Oh, yeah. Good point. Um, blah, 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 blah. So, yeah, Picard just tells Deanna, you know what? Just floor it and just smash into him. Oh, so... Interesting thing about this, though, about bracing for impact, all of the inertial stuff that's going on when the everybody's flying around and rocking around whenever the ship gets hit. Uh, this is the one movie where they put, well, not the one movie, the second movie, because the Enterprise E was done this way. 
Um, oh, that people were not throwing themselves around. They actually put the whole thing mm-hmm. on gimbals. That's right. Yes. And rocked the bridge. I thought that was pretty cool that this, <laughs> a lot of this was real reactions. There was lots of bumps <laughs> and bruises. Yeah. But you missed that, that whole, uh, Jimmy Doohan throwing himself <laughs> back and forth Dude. across the building <laughs> or across the room. I don't know. My favorite is still uh, Bones throwing him, or not Bones, uh, Spock throwing himself over the the bar. <laughs> uh, so anyway, the, they decide they're going to smash into the thing. So he's he says, "Computer ramming speed." <laughs> and now this this effect is actually very interesting because this was actually a practical effect um, for the most part. Um, they actually built a front of the saucer section and a front of the scimitar and they smashed those two things together, um, and filmed it all in super high speed. They did it upside down. So all the debris would fly, what would, would appear to fly upwards. It'd be downwards in this case, but in the film, it, uh, looked like it was flying upwards and then they just added explosions with the CGI, but they actually used it as a, uh, um, as a practical effect, which I thought was an interesting choice. Well, we'll find out just how bad that accident is on the next episode. Cause once again, we've talked way <laughs> too long. Uh, thankfully the next episode will be a lot shorter. Uh, unfortunately, uh, this one's just going way too long. So we gotta, we gotta stop. So thank you everyone for joining us thank you. and, uh, we'll talk to you next time. See you then. Uh, I would like to take a moment to say thank you to our friends over at five year mission for the use of their song beam down as our intro and outro. Uh, please make sure you head on over to five year mission.net. Uh, you will find a song for every episode of the old series broken up into albums representing each season. That's amazing. Uh, it's, it's great stuff. And you can also find them on Apple music. Uh, look for five year mission. Uh, that's it for us. Thank you, everyone, and we'll talk to you next time. See you then. Bye. Stargate 832 2016.